morning, New Life, and welcome to Advent 2021. It's hard to believe that we're already at that part of the year, um, but this is the first day for our, our Advent month. Um, we want to do something a little bit uh, a little bit different in this season. Um, we're going to be looking at the traditional four themes of Advent, which which isn't all that unusual of uh, of hope, faith, joy, and peace over the next four weeks as we work our way uh, towards Christmas Eve. Um, but we're going to use the dailies in a way to to look at each one of those themes in some creative ways. Uh, on Mondays each week, we're going to look at the the Old Testament prophecies leading up to the birth of Christ, and uh, and using uh, each theme to sort of carry us through uh, each one in to in through the season uh, on Mondays. On Tuesdays, we're going to look at the Christmas story through the Gospel of Matthew. On Wednesdays, we're going to be looking at Advent through five different trees. That doesn't make any sense right now, um, but the five trees of Christmas will make sense uh, when it's all done, culminating uh, with the final tree on Christmas Eve. Uh, on Thursdays, we're going to dig into these themes through the traditional Christmas carols. Uh, and then on Fridays, we're going to continue to look at practical disciplines in each of these themes each week. The first of our, our themes for Advent, we begin with the theme of hope. J.R.R. Tolkien uh, served in the British Army in the First World War, and he fought in the Battle of the Somme. Uh, and on the first day uh, of the Battle of the Somme, over 50, there were over 57,000 British casualties on one day. Uh, Tolkien lost countless friends, and, and, and it was just a horrendous period in his life. He, he later went on to, uh, to be a professor at Oxford um, during World War II, the Second World War. And so he was in London during uh, the bombing raids of the Second World War. And uh, it was during that time in his life that he wrote his masterpiece, The Lord of the Rings. And The Lord of the Rings, at its heart, really is all about hope in the midst of evil and darkness and despair. Uh, Tolkien lived it. He understood it. And he was writing uh, this mythology rooted in this hope that, that, that sort of holds in the midst of, of what looks like a desperate, uh, desperate situation. Um, Tolkien was an avid Catholic, uh, and, and he wrote about Christian themes alongside his good friend C.S. Lewis. Um, I think, I think in Lord of the Rings in particular, he was drawing deeply on some of the messianic expectations in the Old Testament. You've got people living in darkness and captivity and in, in, in brokenness and exile who are yearning for this Messiah figure to arrive and rescue them, to save them. The, the, these expectations about Jesus. And in particular, you have the character of Aragorn, which I think is a loose allegory on Jesus. Uh, the allegory of this coming king, this long-awaited true king who will finally defeat evil and take his rightful throne and bring a time of peace uh, and harmony to the world. And Aragorn is kind of a Jesus figure in these stories, one who brings hope in the midst of despair. Um, these kind of hopes, uh, they go back to the Old Testament promises. Um, you know, as, as we're leading up into Christmas, it really is about the inbreaking hope uh, of the Messiah who was born, this long-awaited hope. And so to truly understand what's going on at Christmas, we have to look at, at the expectations of the people leading up to that time. Um, the, the hopes that we have ultimately in the Old Testament are the promises of God, also known as the covenants. Uh, there's an Adamic covenant which was made with Adam and Eve at the very beginning of the Bible where God promised uh, that one of their seed would crush the head of the serpent. 
That was a promise. It was a covenant made to humanity. Um, Later, we see the Noahic covenant where God puts the sign of the rainbow. uh, And it was a promise, a covenant that despite humanity's evil, that God was going to preserve his promise. He was going to preserve humanity and continue to work to that place uh, where there would be uh, this Messiah hero figure crushing the head of the serpent. Uh, Then we have the Abrahamic covenant, which is perhaps the most famous of all of them in the Old Testament. Well, it was a promise of offspring, of land, and of universal blessing, that God was was breaking this plan out into actual actual family. And he was going to begin this promise that began Uh, all the way back in in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Then we work into the Mosaic Covenant, which is promises made to Moses, uh, where the law was given, that God was going to be with his people, that he was going to dwell amongst them, uh, but there were stipulations that they needed to actually worship and obey uh, the law. Uh, Then we have the Davidic Covenant. So this is a promise made to David. And and it was a promise that that the covenant made to Abraham was going to be fulfilled specifically through the line of David. And so there's almost this narrowing effect that's going on through these covenants. Um, David uh, wanted to build a temple. He wanted to build the temple for God, this magnificent structure. He'd spent his life uh, really, you know, conquering Jerusalem, about establishing uh, power and authority for for Israel. It became a a prominent uh, nation. It it carried weight. Um, But God told David that it wasn't going to be him that, that was to build the temple. Uh, that it was going to be his son. And so we pick up the text here, the, the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, uh, this is God speaking through uh, the prophet uh, Nathan to, to David, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Uh, he shall build a house for my name. Uh, So this is, he's talking about Solomon. David's son Solomon did build the temple. Uh, He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with these words, in accordance with all this uh, vision, Nathan spoke to David. So, so there's this sort of multifaceted promise that's going on that, uh, that God is going to use Solomon to build the temple. And there are the, these immediate uh, sort of stipulations that as long as David's uh, uh, sort of sons, his descendants, as long as they obey and serve the Lord, as long as they're faithful, then God will bless them and they will sit on the throne physically, individually. Um, and if they, if they disobey, which we see that they do, they will suffer the consequences of that as individuals. Um, but in the midst of sort of these promises to Solomon and promises to David's offsprings, there's this enduring, unconditional promise as well that says that the, the throne of David will remain forever. His, his kingdom will be made sure and established forever. So there's this promise uh, that the Davidic throne will will be the one that 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 is established based on this covenant promise and remain everlasting. Um, so, 
so coming out of David, uh, we see the kings sort of take a bit of a, a, a nosedive in Judah over time. And, and they do, in fact, fall away and stray, and, and God brings curses upon them uh, until eventually his people are dispersed. They're, uh, they're taken captive, taken away. A remnant comes back, we see in the book of Nehemiah, uh, and, and resettles Jerusalem and rebuilds, uh, begins the, the process of rebuilding. And, and you look at the history between the end of the Old Testament to the start of the New Testament, and there's 400 years. Um, there's really this 400-year period where the people are trying to reestablish themselves, and there's foreign invaders uh, like Alexander the Great, and they establish sometimes some little bit of authority. Um, and at one point before the, the life of Jesus, um, they had a bit of autonomy as a people in Israel, um, but there were internal squabbling, and then Rome came in to settle the dispute and just took over. Uh, and so, so there's 400 years as well of, of radio silence where God doesn't speak and you have people longing and waiting for the Davidic ruler to return. Because at that point, it was the Herods and, and, and sort of other ruling families, Hasmoneans, uh, the Maccabees that celebrated at, at Hanukkah. They were kind of ruling, but it wasn't the rightful promised king on the throne. There was no Davidic king. And so the people are waiting in anticipation for God's chosen one, God's Messiah to come. Uh, there are these promises that um, in Ezekiel 34, for example, we see, um, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. So there's this expectation the Messiah is going to be both king in the line of David, but also like David, a shepherd to lead his people. And then there's other uh, messianic prophecies also as well about uh, who will continue this covenant. Uh, we see it in, in Micah, which is quoted in, in Matthew. Uh, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among uh, the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So these expectations that this Davidic ruler will someday come from, from Bethlehem in the tribe of David. And so are the, there's these hopes and you can picture 400 years of these unrealized hopes. Um, people have been um, have been disappointed time and time again by uh, by human rulers, and they're waiting for God to actually fulfill the promise that He made to them. Yet they they remain hopeful, but but hope at times is fading. And so, what do we do with with unmet hope? where God has made promises, but yet everything seems dark, everything seems broken. It seems like the throne is, is in complete disrepair. It seems like evil is winning. It seems like God is absent at times. He's not you know, directly intervening. It seems like uh, the kingdom of the enemy is, is overtaking. Um, this is exactly what was going on in the years leading up to the birth of Christ. It seemed like God was silent, that God was absent, but he wasn't. He was waiting, biding his time. And so it's the hope for us, again, of remaining firm and rooted in the promises of God and, and the realization that God works in His own time and He works in His own way. And, and it wasn't in the way that people were expecting. They were expecting a military ruler who was going to come in and kick out the Romans and God fulfilled His promise, but in a way that they weren't expecting far beyond anything uh, they truly expected with Jesus being God Himself. Um, but, it, but it challenges us in, in our hope of being patient, not giving up on the hope that we have in, in the promised return of Jesus and the sovereignty of Jesus in the love and the faithfulness of Jesus, the hope that we have rooted in those things um, because God works in his own time and not ours. And so uh, we can relate 
as we look at Christmas and as we look at this theme of hope, we can relate in some ways to these unmet expectations, this desperate longing that God would show up and intervene in the darkness around us and bring hope in the midst of despair. We can keep hope because God has proven himself to be faithful and we trust in his timing and not ours. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you uh, for the promise, uh, for the promise that you've given us of a new covenant in your blood where we now are adopted as your sons and daughters. You, um, the Messiah, the long-awaited one, who promised that you are coming back again to make all things new and all things right, to bring justice. And just as, as those in Israel waited hundreds of years in hope, we now wait in hope as well. Help us to do what you're calling us to do in this time of waiting, but help us to hold fast to the hope um, that you will, will uphold your promises. Help us to lean on them in this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're excited to, to journey into this season of Advent with you. I'm excited to gather and, and sing and worship as well on Christmas Eve as we celebrate God breaking into uh, his creation to bring hope and restoration. See you again soon.